As you heard, Ron and Katie are uh, suffering in Okinawa. <laughs> it means that we get to have our brother Akira here uh, to meet with us today. And uh, he's an old friend of mine, but he's even an older friend of Ron and Katie, but he's not old. Uh, Ron and Katie, it turns out, were uh, involved with Akira's Omii. His Omii was set up by the Lord, not by Ron and Katie, but they were involved with some counseling, I believe, and mentoring at that time. Akira's a very interesting fellow. He's a Japanese citizen, I believe, but he's also a Norwegian missionary. He lived in Norway and uh, was sent to Japan to be a missionary here. And Ron was later involved in his life when Ron brought a thing called Prayer Summit to Japan. And a prayer summit is not a prayer meeting. It's a time to seek God's face. It's different than a prayer meeting. And Ron brought this idea to Japan from somebody else in the U.S. It's four days, at least our Gemma Prayer Summit now is four days in the mountains. And like almost every missionary or pastor you ask, when you ask them, would you like to come up for four days? Of course, nobody has that much time. Everybody's too busy or they're afraid of trying to pray for four days. So as I understand it, Ron had to drag Akira up there and get him involved in that. And miraculously, for many years now, Akira is facilitating prayer summits all over Japan. So I get to go to that every year. We have a Gemma Prayer Summit in May in Oktama, and everybody is invited. All you need is four days and a willingness to meet together and pray to God. But we also sing and eat, so don't be afraid of the praying for four days thing. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful time. And because he lived in Norway, Akira is not only fluent in Japanese and English, but he's fluent in Norwegian, and he has a nice Norwegian wife. I'm very, very happy to have him here, so I would like to ask him to come up now and lead us in study of the Lord's Word. Thank you very much, Dave. It's wonderful privilege for me to be here with you. And I'm grateful to God. I came back to Japan, not so much back. I, I didn't want to come back to Japan. I wanted to go to Mongolia as missionary with my wife. And the mission agreed, so we were on our way to Mongolia. Mind you, 33 years ago, Mongolia had no church. The world did not know any Christian existing in Mongolia. Just about 28 years ago, a first church started open, and today there are more than 400, probably more than 500 churches in a country of 3 million people. Why do I talk about Mongolia? I don't know. But uh, my heart is still very much for that country. If you remember, pray for Mongolia. Its young nation has been democratic, so to say, only about 30 years. The churches are blossoming. But greed is filling the air, where people average salaries probably $150 a month, at maximum $300 a month. They're building condos, which you have to pay $3,000 a month 
I just don't understand. The country is rich in natural resources. They have oil, they have gold, uranium, copper, and coal. And money chase will kill the nation. And the church is the only agent in the world who can direct the people's mind and heart and life otherwise. But when the church follows the tendency or the flow of the society, that's lost. I think it's the same for every nation, every people. But God has been speaking. And I will not try to fill in Ron. I think we're, Ron and I are big mouth, both of us, but uh, <laughs> I cannot fill in his ministry. Just hope that God will speak to us. Why do we gather every week? several times a week. What is the purpose of Christian gathering? To my heart and mind, to my conviction, it's all about knowing God and the Lord Jesus Christ, as Kent has already said. Our purpose on this earth is to know God because that's the eternal life according to Jesus and to know Jesus Christ. Knowing is not accumulation of information or knowledge as such. Knowing goes much deeper. You know your father, your mother, your children, your spouse, but how much can you explain about the person you know? It doesn't matter if you can use many words, but it doesn't mean that the more you can explain you know better, is it? It's much more than words can explain or express. Knowing is much more personal, it's deeper, and that is our God's desire for us that we know God together. To know God is not a matter of study. Reading books will, might help, but it will not necessarily make you to know God. We need personal fellowship, and me alone with my God, it's not enough. Eternity is not enough for us to know God. If eternal life is to know God, it's going to take eternity. Well, makes sense, right? So we are here to know God together. Your experience, your knowing God will help me. Hopefully mine will help you. And today, I, uh, because Ron asked, I gave the scripture portion. It's Colossians 3, from verse 12 to 17. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. I use ESV. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. 
that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. To me, this is actually all about identity and destiny. I lived in Japan until I was 21 and then moved to Norway. I was baptized when I was 13. I thought I knew pretty much. And when I went to the Bible school, Bible college, I call it Pastor's Production Company. <laughs> After graduating three years, I thought I know everything. So I was not afraid to be asked. But the years passed. It's now ancient history. And today I have to say, I don't know much about the Bible. Or I don't understand the Bible much. Finally, I've come to that place to acknowledge that I don't understand much of the Bible, the message, the word. But I am convinced I know enough to love God, to worship God, and talk about him with other people. That I'm not afraid of, because I don't have to know everything. I don't have to defend the Bible. The Bible itself has survived near 4,000 years of history, and many people wanted to kill the Bible. You know that, don't you? Have you heard about Voltaire in France? Yeah. He was bold enough to say, in my lifetime, I'm going to look to it that Bible will be eliminated. It didn't happen, as you know. And as much as I read, uh, his house much later became a storage house for French Bible Society. Uh, <laughs> God is funny. <laughs> so Bible will defend itself. We don't have to do it. We don't have to know everything. We have to know Jesus. That's the key issue. And as a sister prayed, it's all about him from our side. But from God's side, it's all about everything. Not only us, but it's all about everything. Romans 8 teaches us that God's intention, his desire, his plan is to reconcile everything with himself, through Jesus Christ. And we are the agent of that. Because the whole creation is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to appear, to reveal ourselves. Wait a minute, aren't we sons and daughters of God? Aren't we revealed yet? It's all about identity, and destiny. I was Christian. I was Bible college graduated, but I did not know my true identity. Therefore, I didn't know how to live it. I believe God wants us to have solid conviction about our true image. Now, true image, there is a software that 
is used for computer backups. When your computer goes freaky and you go to true image and restore it, but the true image I'm talking about is not like that. It's not like computer backup software. It's front up living. We are to live the true image from day to day, every day, from morning to evening, throughout the night. And uh, Colossians 3 gives us that. You read it and you receive it, then I don't have to speak anymore. But just let me suggest that God, he's very much interested in all of us, every one of us, knowing who we are, who I am in God today and whom we can become in the future by God. If we don't have that grasp, we'll be moving around and not knowing where to go. Hopefully not. Well, it's important for us to know who we are before God today and where we are heading to, what we are becoming in the future by God alone. And to me, that's the true image and that's what the whole creation is waiting for. Not to say that I'm baptized, I'm Christian, I'm a member of MCC or what. No, not like that. But sons and daughters of God who know their identity and therefore they know the destiny and therefore they are heading toward that destiny every day. Will never end. It's an ongoing process, isn't it? So, what the Bible says is that whole Colossian is amazing portion of the scripture, but it talks about Jesus, the Son of God, and the Son of God created everything for himself, by himself, and everything, I guess everything is everything, exists for him, the Son of God. While I was in the Bible school, I used to think that God created the world, Father created everything, and Jesus was standing by him and just watching or singing or whatever. But Colossians say that he, the Son of God, created everything for himself. Well, there is no rivalry between the Father and the Son because whatever the Father thinks is what Jesus thinks and the Holy Spirit thinks. And Whatever Jesus says, the Father has said already, and the Holy Spirit says it. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. At any moment, any given moment, there will be no disunity, no disagreement, so we know that he is one. But the Bible says, Jesus created everything, you and me too, for himself. And therefore, the Bible says, you are dead in Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's why you have to think. You have to have your mind about the heavenly things upward. Therefore, the Bible says, Colossians 3 says, put off, kill the old things, fleshly things. And then put on 
And that's where we came in, verse 12. Our true image is about, according to the King James Version, bowels of mercy. It says bowels of mercy, guts of mercy. As I watched American movies, I learned many expressions, and many of them I shouldn't learn, but <laughs> some of them is guts. Why is guts? Inside. Yeah. Isn't mostly intestines? Yeah. Is that also guts? Liver? Oh, that's your understanding. Okay, yeah. And God talks about his intestines in Jeremiah and Lamentations, that my intestines ache. That's the deepest emotion. Japanese people use that, hara. God wants us to have the deepest compassion that ever can be achieved. Kindness, humility. Those are the inner qualities, should I say, within ourselves. The true image of the church, the body of Christ, we as Christ people, it is, first of all, the guts, intestines full of compassion. The way of the Lord Jesus Christ has never been selfish human thing at all. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ has been known for compassion and kindness and humility. I realized my God is humble God. How dare that I become arrogant and prideful, but alas, I am many times prideful, not humble, but my God is humble. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus said, I'm humble and meek, therefore follow after me and learn of me. The world is busy about claiming so many things, about talking about myself, how good I am, how capable I am, therefore how much money I'm worth. That's not the way of the body of Christ. If we don't know what humility is, we can never know Jesus. We can never know our Father. Kindness and patience. It's interesting for a foreigner like me, non-English speaking, I mean, my mother tongue is not English, but kindness to me, oh, kind, it's a, it's a kind. You know, same kind, or family. Family is called kins, right? And in Japanese, it's shinsetsu. Shinsetsu have two Chinese characters, parent and cut. Ooh. <laughs> I understand to be really kind is to treat a person like parent as if I'm willing to cut off my parents for you. Now, it's scary to think about it, but teaches me something. Well, wait a minute. What did Jesus do? Was not he cut off from the Father for us? I guess kindness is a scary thing. 
but he wants us to have that kindness. Today, we hear much about taking care of yourself, self-image, high self-image, better self-image, best self-image. People pay huge amount of money just to hear that. But our image, true image, is hidden in Christ. And it's revealed in his word, just as we have read. We have to put on those things. Because I guess you are like me. We don't have it by nature. Everything God has given us has been tainted by sin. Ultimate egoism. Ultimate self-adoration. Self-exaltation. Which is planted in the Garden of Eden. The serpent said, If you eat that, you become like God. I believe that sin, not eating of the whatever fruit it was, but the heart that wanted, desired to become God. And that was why the devil, the Lucifer, was thrown out of heaven. Because of that, our kindness is tainted, our patience is limited, our compassion is selfish, but God says, put on. Well, here comes the question, how do we put on those things? Knowing God's word, amen. Any other suggestion? Help with the Holy Spirit, exactly, amen. Any other suggestion? Indeed, it says kill, kill them. Put to death. Yeah, put to death. Uh, put to death is nicely worded. Uh, <laughs> I'm more blunt. <laughs> kill them. Uh, put on. We have to make conscious effort, right? Conscious effort to take those things into me. And it helps to be with each other. We can see some people are better on it. And then we can learn from them. And then we are mirrors to each other. And then we can learn from them. When I went to Norway, I had to learn the language through everyday life. I had to work to support myself. And uh, I was working in a printing industry. And in those days, they used the lead types. Some people might sympathize with me, but most of you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm, I'm afraid. But anyway, those guys taught me bad languages, you know, cuss words. And, and the missionary who brought me to that place one day found out I was using those words, and he was furious and said, what are you doing? Oh, you know, I had to kill them. It took time. It took time. Once it's implanted in your head, it's not going to get out so easily. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about those Norwegian cuss words, but the old self. The Bible says put off. It's a daily effort. And then daily effort to put on. And we need the Holy Spirit's help. We ask God, please help me. Holy Spirit, please help me. Lord Jesus, please help me. And then it's about our wear. That's a Christian wear. That church wear. 
And when we have that where, it's not enough. The Bible says, have the mind controlled. Have our mind controlled by what? By the peace of Christ. Well, I guess all of you are not like me. You don't know what stress is, do you? <laughs> Excuse me, I'm ironic, I'm sarcastic. Sorry, we all know what stress is, right? I'm very short-tempered by nature. When I was 30-some, I married when I was 38, so, so I was one day so stressed by time. I was in my apartment, and uh, I was moving around, doing dishes, washing clothes, and trying to cook, and trying to do something else, and I was almost running in my flat, and as the vegetables and potatoes got cooked, I was throwing into my mouth and moving still. And suddenly, suddenly, I realized, I mean, it was God who made me see myself. I was so ashamed. I thought, I thought to myself, I thought, I thought to myself, but I know it was the Lord who spoke to me. What are you doing? You are talking about that Jesus is alive and he's with me. And look how you're behaving. I had to repent before God. Jesus, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I completely ignored you. And I behaved like an animal. Okay. No matter how little time I might have, I'll put up the cutleries, put up the tablecloth, and sit down and eat with you. That was heaven's revelation. And that day I decided, I resolved, when I am stressed, I will walk slowly, I will move slowly. If you haven't tried, it's recommended. It will change your character a little bit. At least you will not be controlled by faking stress. So much that when I got married, my wife got stressed because I am not stressed. <laughs> She's. Why are you moving so slowly when you have to get out of the house now? Uh, poor my wife. She has suffered so much because of me. But I'm actually talking about being controlled by the peace of Christ. Our mind so many times have its own way. But we need to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to reign in me. We submit our nature, our tendency to the peace of Christ. When our mind is controlled by the peace of Christ, we'll be fine. We'll never be perfect, but we'll be led by his peace. And when it's peaceful in our heart, 
mind will catch up many things from God. God will be speaking. Father will be speaking to us in a gentle way. And when we're stressed, we'll never get it. But He wants us to get it. He will not yell like I yelled to my children when I got lost my patience. And I lost it easily, especially toward my oldest son. And I had to really ask for forgiveness when he was 16 for all the bad things I did against him. You know, it helps. And usually kids are more saintly than me. I don't drag all the parents, but me as a parent. He forgave me right away. Just in parenthesis, the day I asked all my children for forgiveness, I washed their feet, both feet, with soap, and rinsed it and dried it. And Paul, our old son, said, now I understand how Peter felt <laughs> the night before Jesus was crucified. I thought to my heart, no, you don't. But I didn't say that. <laughs> didn't say that. But it helps. It helps to ask for forgiveness because it releases forgiveness. Forgiveness has been one of the major characteristics of the church of Jesus Christ. When the forgiveness is gone from the church, the church is in real mess, real danger. And forgiveness is not easy. When your heart is full of resentment and anger and bitterness. You don't want to forgive. I must be a bad person. Towards the end of the preaching, I confess that there are at least two persons who think they cannot forgive me. I have asked for forgiveness, but it hasn't helped yet. But the church must be forgiving because the Lord has forgiven us all. There is no wrongdoing of sin that cannot be forgiven for us. Except if you really blaspheme the Holy Spirit. We are the body of Christ and we should be forgiving. And the third thing, the first one is inward to, toward us. And the second thing is controlled by the peace of Christ toward each other. The third thing is our connection with the Father. Whatever we say or do, we should do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, we all say in the end of a prayer, in Jesus' name, I pray. But whatever you do and say, do it in the name of Jesus. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Physically, mentioning the name of Jesus may not be doing or saying in the name of Jesus. It could have been a matter of habit. To do it with our heart and mind 
fixed on Jesus is totally different thing. Whatever we say, if we do it really thinking that Jesus is with me right now, like, you know, my stressed moment, I forgot about Jesus and his presence. But he gently made me realize, and it helps. If the church live like that, we are the aroma of Christ in this filthy, foul world. And the world will know that Jesus is real because the true image of the church is nothing less than the characteristics of Jesus himself. You know that. We are the body of Christ, then we have to be like Christ. And God is taking us there. Our identity is the sons and daughters of God, which means we are chosen. It means we are holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're holy. It means we're loved, we're beloved. And because of that, our destiny is to become like him who has made us as such. Our final stage is to be like Jesus. It doesn't happen when we die. It is going on now. We are to encourage each other for that purpose. If we fail, let's start again. If it goes slow, we never give up. Because God wants us to be like that and amazingly enough, while we are trying our feeble effort, God reveals himself through us to the world and to each other. And the world will come to know that Jesus is real while we are imperfect and trying so hard. But through that effort, God works. Jesus works because he is life. He's not only alive, he is our life. He is our way. He is our God. And this world needs his presence, his aroma. We are the one. May the Lord help us to move on from here with renewed resolution, renewed hope, renewed conviction of who we are, who I am. No matter how sinful I might think about myself, that as long as I call upon the name of the Lord, I will be saved, I am saved, and I will be helped to get there where God wants me to be. To me, one of the most important things is never to give up. Never to give up on myself. Neither on others. We are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the aroma of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the radiance of the Lord Jesus Christ. May Tokyo be blessed because of you. I'm out of Tokyo, so may Iwaki be blessed because of his children. Thank you very much. Can I pray?
Father God, I thank you and praise you for your goodness. Father, I thank you for your eternal plan. And you have revealed it to us through your Son, Lord Jesus Christ, and through your word. Lord, I ask you in your name to touch us in a fresh way so we receive your word into the depth of our heart so from this day on we'll take another fresh step toward being like you i ask that you will come upon this congregation each one of them and help them to get out of darkness or darken the mind about their identity or destiny father may your name be glorified lord jesus may you be exalted through your body throughout the world. Amen.